For the hope that rescues us from endless night For the grace that covers sin At the door where life begins For salvation reaching in to guide us through Thanks be to
Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. Thank you for coming and joining us this beautiful day for the worship of God. And I thank you all for being here. If it's your first time here, there should be a Connect card in the pew rack right in front of you. And we'd ask you to take that and fill it out and let us know that you've been here. If you have prayer concerns or problems going on in your life, write it on that same card, drop it in the offering plate, and we'll try to respond to you in whatever way you want us to respond. But we are glad that you're here. If you're joining us via live stream, welcome. You should go to the address that you'll see on the screen and do everything that I've just said, and we will be happy to respond to you as well. But we thank you for being here and come back and join us regularly. Today is a day that we have come here to celebrate God's presence, and we thank you for being part of it. You'll see our angel tree that's over on the side here. That's an indicator that we are heading toward Christmas. The angels that are on that tree represent the children that we minister to at the Adams Mark Mission where we go work every week. Uh, those are needs that those children have and we are wanting to clear that tree and to be able to uh, get the, the gifts that they both want and need. And so we invite you to come and take that and, and uh, get an angel or two off the tree. And hopefully we will be able to, to get these gifts bought for these children. Uh, at the close of the service, Martha Ann and Tina will be up front to the, today, and they will answer any questions that you have. But we hope that you will participate with us in this because it is a very good ministry, an important one. Today we've gathered here for worship. Mike is going to come and lead us in prayer. Our hearts leaped for joy when we discovered we were going to the house of the Lord. Did your heart leap for joy? I was pretty happy. You were pretty happy. Ike, were you happy? I understand you're 90 years old today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Let's have a prayer, shall we? Oh God, we are grateful that you watched over us as we slept last night and we got that extra hour of sleep and you were there when we awakened this morning and you are in this place right now among us we thank you so we joyously come together to worship realizing we need not summon you into our midst for you were already here before we arrived we need not call you into the secret places of our heart for you are already there. We only need our eyes of faith to be opened, that we may see you, that our ears to be unstopped, that we may hear you, that our minds to be renewed, to be made sensitive, that we may know you, our hearts to be made tender, that we may receive you. So purify our hearts, O God, by your presence, and may your spirit do her holy work within us this morning as we sing, as we pray, and we listen for you and the holy proclamation of your word. May you be blessed by our worship of you, for we offer it in the name of the Holy One, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. It is a joy to be here this morning. And so we're going to sing some worship songs together. And so we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to be with us and to fill our hearts and minds here. And then we're going to quiet our thoughts and we're going to to focus on the fact that we, we have the honor and joy of communion uh, later in the service and, and that we're so thankful for all that he's done for us. So if you're able, whether you're here or at home, we'd love to have you stand and sing along with us this morning. 
with the heart of worship. I'm bringing in a brand new song. I'm ready to see the unthinkable. I'm ready for a miracle. Hearts praying for a fresh encounter. Souls looking to a living God. I'm ready for a real revival. Oh, Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit,
just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to Just as I am, I would be lost, but mercy and grace, my freedom bought, and I
and let's pray. Precious God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day and the chance to be here in your house this morning. We thank you that no matter what we're coming to you with, your arms are open to us. God, we thank you for the peace that brings to our souls this morning. And so Lord, right now we thank you and we, we ask you that you just calm our hearts and you prepare our minds to learn and to worship and, and to thank you for the sacrifices you've given to us. Lord, we know that in you we have the peace that passes all understanding. And so, God, we thank you this morning that we are here and that we are with you. And we ask that you just make this day yours. In your name we pray. We're in the season of gratitude right now, and so we are going to be looking toward that. I have, If you've been here for very long at all, you know that Philippians is my favorite of Paul's writings, my favorite of the letters that he wrote, and it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. We're going to be looking at Philippians today, chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Last Sunday morning, Dr. David Washburn preached on giving as gratitude. Today I want us to think about an attitude of gratitude. I don't remember who it was, but one of the great philosophers said, gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, but it is the parent of all virtues. I ought to be able to remember who said that because one of my majors in college was philosophy, but I don't remember who said it. The only thing I know absolutely for certain is that having a major in philosophy qualifies you to mow grass for VDOT anywhere in the state. And so if that's been your dream for life, feel free to major in philosophy. Otherwise, you might want to avoid that. Still, I majored in philosophy. And fortunately, the direction I went with my life, it's paid off very well. Gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, but it's the parent of all virtues. In my opinion, whoever said that was on to something. 
However, the problem is our society is increasingly a self-centered society. And so if you are in a self-centered society, you're going to hear about gratitude less and less and less. And that is where we have found ourselves in our world today. We need to be a people of gratitude. It's not good that gratitude has fallen by the wayside in many, many ways because gratitude is a positive way of thinking that can affect every part of our lives, and it's a learned behavior. We aren't born grateful for anything. It grows from what we think, or to say it a different way, gratitude does not come naturally. It comes from what we have been taught. I had about as much fun at Drunk or Treat this year as I have ever had since we have been doing that. One of the reasons that I had such a good time is because I was walking away around with my granddaughter most of that time. Many of you who are at Trunk or Treat said that you saw Adeline several times during the course of the night. That's true because she went around getting candy at least four times and maybe more than that. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching her going around getting all of the candy that she could possibly get. The positive side of all of that was that she said thank you to just about everybody who gave her candy, no matter how many times she went by. Once in a while she'd forget, and I'd have to remind her, but generally she said thank you to everybody as she was going around. That didn't come naturally, folks. What came naturally was getting all the candy that she could get. But she said thank you to just about everybody because that's what she had been taught to say. Her mom and dad has done a very good job of teaching her to express her gratitude to people. Papa taught her that he wouldn't say no if she wanted to go around the trunks 10 times to get candy. My job as a grandfather is to have fun with my granddaughter. Their job as a parent is to fix it when she gets home. And I thoroughly enjoy making things as difficult for them as I can because that's what Eric did for me. <laughs> anyway, it's their job to teach them the good things in life, and they've done a good job of that. She learned to say thank you when, when somebody did something nice for her because she had been taught to say thank you. Gratitude does not come naturally. Babies aren't born saying thank you. Babies have their own personal and selfish agenda. Hold me, feed me, change me, rock me, walk me, play with me, and do it right now. Not once did my children or grandchildren ever say thank you to me for taking care of them. The only thing that I got out of changing their diapers was peed on. All of that is, is very cute and it's fun as long as they're little. But when we get to be 16 years old up to about 98 years old, it ain't so cute when we're being selfish in life. The Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put away childish things. There are quite a few adults in our world who need to get well acquainted with that verse of Scripture because I don't think they ever have. Maturity, tell Jesus I'll be done in a minute when the phone rings. Maturity and, and gratitude, they are a process of the mind. You have to learn certain things, and those are some of the things you learn. Those come from what we are thinking, from what we have been taught to think. And that's what Paul was trying to get across in this passage of Scripture that he gave us. He was trying to teach those Christians at Philippi 
to fill their minds with the best things, even in the face of the worst circumstances. I've said it before, but the church at Philippi was by far Paul's favorite church they ever planted. And those people dearly loved Paul. They were one of the few churches that sent him money and sent him help while he was in prison. Paul loved that church and they loved him, but Paul knew that he was about to die and he was afraid that that church was going to become bitter and angry and pessimistic when that happened. And so Paul told those people to think about positive and noble things because he knew thinking on the positive can lead to gratitude and gratitude can lead to joy. And as I've said so many times, there's a big difference in joy and happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Good things happen, we're happy. Bad things happen, we're unhappy. But joy is knowing that God is with us in whatever the circumstances happen to be and we can draw on His power and on His company to be able to deal with whatever comes to us in life. Now, at this point in the sermon, I want to conduct a little experiment. I want you to think about what you're thinking about right now. Some of you are thinking, is he ever going to shut up? Some of you are thinking, how long is this going to go on? Some of you are thinking, where are we going to eat lunch after this is over? Some of you are thinking, are we going to be able to get there before the other church is let out? Some of you are thinking, what are we doing this afternoon? Some of you are thinking, what time are the kids' ball games? Some of you are thinking about bigger things than that. You're thinking about health problems that you may have or that a family member may have. You may be thinking about some problem that is bigger than that that a family member is facing. We may be thinking about work or the election that's coming up or, or when are we going to start our Christmas shopping this year? Years ago, I was preaching on something, and don't remember exactly what, but I turned around to address the choir as I was doing it, and I happened to look back at our, our, at our organist, Joetta, and I noticed that she was writing. And so when the service was over, I went over to Joetta, and I said, Joetta, were you actually taking notes on the sermon this morning? She laughed and looked at me, and she said, actually, I was making out my grocery list. Now, let me come to her defense, which I didn't do at 8.30. She had to listen to my sermon at least twice and sometimes three times. So she had the right to make a grocery list after she had listened to the others. And she could quite often quote back to me what I had preached on, but I didn't tell any of that this morning. I just enjoyed throwing her under the bus. It was just fun. I told her when she made out her grocery list, I said, someday this is going to come home to haunt you. She never imagined it was going to be 20 years, but it was fun. There are lots of things that can occupy our minds during church or that can occupy our minds during our everyday lives. But the Apostle Paul has given us a list of things to think about that are never going to lead us down the wrong road and it can lead us to an attitude of gratitude. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think on these things. That was Paul's version of the power of positive thinking. You can't think of those things and have an ungrateful life. However, what's interesting about this positive list that Paul gave us is that this isn't a Christian list. This wasn't even a Hebrew list that Paul gave those people. This was a secular list 
of Roman values that were found in Roman writings. They were carved on the sides of Roman buildings. They were even used by the Roman army during their training. This was a list of virtues that the church at Philippi would have been very familiar with because they had seen them hundreds of times in various different places. So, why did Paul use that very secular list to drive home a point to the Philippians? Well, Paul was using it to make the point that even pagans and unbelievers can aspire to higher thoughts in life, but the church had the power to make those thoughts come true because the church had the power of God, and God can focus us on what is right, what is just, what is pleasing, what is good. And if we will allow God to empower our focus, the end result is going to be a life of gratitude. Gratitude changes things. One of the greatest preachers and writers of the late 19th and early 20th century was a British pastor by the name of John Henry Jowett. Jowett once wrote, Gratitude is a vaccine, an antitoxin, and an antiseptic. It is a vaccine to, present the to prevent the invasion of a disgruntled and discouraged spirit. It is an antitoxin to destroy the poisons of cynicism and criticalness. And it's an antiseptic to soothe and heal the troubled spirit. Gratitude helps us fill our minds with the best, not the worst, with the beautiful, not the ugly, with things to praise, not things to curse. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude and see the good things that will fill your minds as you trek through your daily life with God. That is what the Apostle Paul was trying to say in this passage of Scripture. Gratitude is a way of being in our lives. It's a matter of the mind and a matter of the heart. When we focus our virtues on God, it'll lead us to the peace that passes all understanding. And what is the peace that passes all understanding? It's knowing that God is holding our hands and He is guiding our minds. He wants to lead us to what is good and positive in life itself. Back in the 1960s when Chicago was experiencing just about as much racial division and racial hatred as any southern city in the country, a neighborhood library in one of the suburbs there sponsored a community competition for the best painting that could symbolize grace. There were a number of people who submitted paintings for that. The judges narrowed this down to two paintings, and then they were having a very hard time trying to decide which one of these should be the painting that would win that competition. One of them was of a majestic lake that was so still and it was so tranquil that it formed a perfect mirror for the hills and the trees and the sky that was all around it. This painting was titled Perfect Peace and the idea was that peace was a, a stillness that made everything in life reflect beauty and wonder. The second painting was completely different from the first one. It was a painting of a terrible storm. There were dark skies and there were howling winds and there was torrential rain coming down. The trees in the painting were built, bending almost to the ground. There was debris flying everywhere. But right in the middle of this raging storm was this little bird that was perched on one of those rocking limbs. And the little bird appeared to be whistling in the storm. 
The judges had a hard time trying to decide which painting was going to win. The painting of the lake was by far the most beautiful of the paintings, but they ended up choosing the painting that was called Peace in the Storm. The judges were smart. They, they knew peace wasn't the absence of storm. It wasn't the absence of conflict. It was the calm assurance that not even the storms can rob us of the peace that comes from knowing that the storm will never have the last word. After World War II, the American army found an inscription on a wall of a cellar in a Nazi death camp in Cologne, Germany, the inscription said, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when there is no one there. I believe in God even when he is silent. That's the peace that passes all understanding. Believing in God on the good days and the bad days can fill our minds with noble thoughts, with, with virtuous thoughts, and it can make us thankful even in a world that is a broken mess. Philippians 4, 4 through 6, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sooner or later, all of us are going to deal with the struggles and the heartaches and the difficulties of life. Are we going to lose our hope for tomorrow in the midst of them? Are we going to lose our confidence in today? Are we going to lose our sense of self-worth as we are going about the struggles of our lives? Or are we going to be able to rejoice in the Lord even when He's silent? Are we going to be able to focus our minds on noble things even when the whole world is focused on anger and division, which we see too often in politics these days? Can we be grateful even when our emotions are telling us to be bitter and pessimistic about life? Howard Olds once said, To speak gratitude is courteous and pleasant. To enact gratitude is generous and noble. But to live gratitude is to touch heaven while we're walking on earth. Gratitude is a way of living. And that's what Paul was trying to teach us in Philippians 4, 9. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen through me, and the God of peace will be with you. David Saucier is, was a NASA engineer and a Texas businessman who had about as good a life as anyone could ever have. He went from a picture of health to the very edge of death within less than two weeks when a virus attacked his heart and started destroying the muscles of his heart. The doctors had told him that he had less than a week to live if they didn't find a heart to give him a transplant. Saucier said he could feel his heart getting weaker by the hours that were going by. Then a doctor came running into his room and told him that they had found a heart that was a match to him. They had to get him to the surgery suite right then because the heart was on its way to the hospital. Ten years later, on the anniversary of that heart transplant, a Houston television reporter asked David how that heart transplant had changed his life. When he did, David said, that heart transplant did several things for me. The first thing that it did was it gave me a new sense of urgency about life. 
He said, it taught me that if you want to stop and smell the roses or if you want to invest to make a difference in the world, you need to do it right now because we're not guaranteed of the days that are out in front of us. He said, the second thing that that transplant taught me was it gave me a new sense of gratitude. He said, when I woke up from that surgery, it occurred to me that somebody else had to die for me to have this heart. And I was so thankful that some family somewhere looked beyond their grief to give me the gift of life. I wanted to thank them, but I didn't know who they were, so I couldn't. The only thing I could do was accept this gift and be grateful for every day that this heart was beating in my chest. And then I tried to do good with the days that I had been given by that heart. He said the third thing that that transplant did was it made me want to walk as close to God as I could walk. He said I wanted to live the best life that I could because God had walked with me right up to the edge of the valley of the shadow of death and then God had met me on the other side of this transplant and he had continued to walk with me and to help me be grateful for who I was and, and for the gift of life that I had been granted. When you're living a life of gratitude, it changes everything. And if you don't believe that, just think about this. On the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus gathered all of his disciples together, and then he took bread and a cup, and he gave thanks for his clay-footed disciples, and, and he gave thanks for the victory that was about to come from that cross that he was about to endure. He gave thanks for the future that was going to be out in front of them, even though he was about to experience the worst day of his life. And then after he had given thanks, he served his disciples that first Lord's Supper because he was confident and thankful for what those people were going to do, what those people were going to become. Death was right in front of Jesus, and yet he was thankful for what was still to come, and he believed that the best was yet to come through what he was about to endure. Jesus had an attitude of gratitude because his mind was full of good and noble thoughts, and those thoughts gave him that peace that passes all understanding, that's exactly what it can do for us right now today. Today, I'm inviting you to eat this meal. We're going to eat this meal together. Let's be grateful for what this meal represents. Let's be grateful for the price of this meal. And let's commit ourselves to an attitude of gratitude, not only in this approaching Thanksgiving season, but in all of the days of our lives. Let's pray together. Holy God, I ask your blessings as we gather in this place today. I ask you to let your spirit fall upon us as we gather together around this table. This is a day that is special. It is a day that it is beautiful. It is a day that we have been given by you, and it is a day for which we should be thankful. And this table is something that we can be thankful for, not just when we take the Lord's Supper, but in every hour that we live on this earth. Help us, O oh Lord, to remember what this table is about. 
and then help us to live out the gifts of this table in our daily lives. Hear our prayer, O Lord, for it's in your name we offer it. Amen. On the night that he was handed over for suffering and death, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Body of Christ, take and eat. After they had finished the meal, Jesus took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that is given to you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me.
the blood of the new covenant given to us for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Holy God, I thank you for this meal. I thank you for the blessings that have come to us through it. I ask you, O oh Lord, to be with us as we come here today. Help us to offer ourselves and, and our lives, our possessions as gifts to you. Help us to believe that you will take whatever we bring you and you will bless it and you will turn it into the miracle of true life. Help us, O oh Lord, to celebrate that life as we gather here today. Help us to know of your love and of your grace and help us to offer the best that we have to you. For it is in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. from the 
eyes into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the Thank you for coming here today. If you've come and you've decided to give your life to Jesus, come and tell us at the close of the service so we can help you. If you want to do that and you're not sure how, come and tell any staff member or one of our deacons and we'll be happy to, to try to talk to you about that. If you want to join the church and become a member here, just come and let us know at the end of the service. We'll be happy to make that happen as well. Remember the angel tree as you start to go out. Joetta, did you have time to get your grocery list done? <laughs> <laughs> have you enjoyed me making you the foil of my all morning long she never imagined that I was going to remember that all those years later but I have a memory like an elephant for things that happened a million years ago I just can't remember your name after I've just met you so but it's, it'll get better when I die so we thank, thank you all for being here today happy birthday Ike 
we hope that you have a great one. That's 90 years. God bless you. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make His face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, everyone.